The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. I wanted to share with you this morning, uh, remind you of our reading plan, uh, going through uh, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Our, our reading this morning was in Acts chapter 10, and I, or Acts chapter 9. And uh, it was after, the account was uh, the conversion of uh, Saul uh, on his road to Damascus. And it says, uh, it caught me again. So, you know, he's on the road to Damascus and Jesus uh, confronts Saul in how he is fighting against Jesus and the gospel, and as a result, uh, Saul becomes a believer. And it says that after that happened, it says the church throughout Galilee, Judea, and Samaria enjoyed peace, and it was built up. And I thought that was interesting, because the next words say, and as it continued, as the church continued in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit... It kept increasing. So I was pondering that this morning, just the reality of that for us as individuals, as a body, as we continue to, as we continue in the fear of the Lord, we don't quit. As we continue in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we are increasing as individuals, as a church, as a body, as a community. So I just wanted to share that with you this morning. Okay, we are in the Gospel of John starting. We did an introduction last week, and um, Larry told me that for, for whatever reason, the recording didn't take. It was looked like everything was good, but last week's message isn't, on, isn't recorded on the website. But I just want to remind us uh, that John gave specifically, he indicated why he was writing this letter. And again, some 40 to 50 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, here's John, an old man. All the other apostles had died. All the other books of the New Testament were written. And he just kind of at this point in his life, looking back. And when he begins to pen under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not just John's idea, he was nudged. And he's saying, look, I know that there's a lot of other, there's many signs that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But I've taken these and I've written them so that you might believe so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. And I got to thinking um, this morning when I was just thinking, praying through this, that one of the biggest detriments to the church, I think, is this idea that uh, we come to a place where we believe. We kind of punch our ticket, 
kind of sign on the dotted line. We kind of get our name on the shirt. Okay, I did that. But John, when we walk through this letter and many, Old Te- and many of the New Testament writers were saying, it's not just about having believed, it's about believing. And you know, what's it? Uh, we are new creatures in Christ. Our old life has passed and our new life comes. So we're walking out of this old life into a new life. And as we're walking out of this old life, we are continuing to discover this new life. I think if I were to go around the room and just point to you and say in the last five years, if you've been a believer at least five years, in the last five years, how has your life shifted? How have you grown? What have you come to know? What, what, what has God helped you with in these last five years to know Him more? How, how, how has it been that your life has shifted? You found or are continuing to find new life in Christ. And I think that, you know, I say it all the time, there's just one thing that God is trying to teach us, and that is that we can trust Him. And you think, well, that's so general, so vague. Well, no, it's not really, because if we are, if there's just one thing God is trying to get us to understand, to see, to do, is to trust Him. It's not just about trusting with my salvation. And even that is, that word salvation is bigger than just the word of redemption, But I am learning to trust Him and have been learning to trust Him with my own personal life, with my health and my healing, with relationships and my marriage. I've been raising kids. Now I have grandkids, finances, you name it. There's one thing that God is trying to help us with. And that is to continue to trust Him. Because as we continue to trust Him, we continue to discover the life that He's offered us. Like Doug said in, in the songs and what he was saying this morning, this, this idea of where we are now and the life that God has offered us that we can have. And we get to continue to walk into. And so John, you know, he's just saying, look, here's what I... if." If, if I can just do one thing, if I'm aiming at one thing, I want you to know who Jesus is so that you can have life in his name. And so John begins the letter, in my opinion, in my mind, John begins this letter with the truest description of who Jesus is. And he says in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. And without Him, there was nothing made that was made. So we read this in John 1.1, but when we pick up our Bibles and we just open up to the first page, we get to see that our Bibles start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But here, John starts with like, he goes like before creation, before, the, before creation, there was more. And so you need to know something about Jesus. In the beginning, He was there. Before it all started, He was there. And it, it really, uh, when we were talking on um, Friday, Doug was mentioning this. He says, you man, it's really tough to grab a hold of eternity you know. I mean, we as believers, I, can, I think I can grasp eternity future 
just because of the promises, thinking about, you know, hey, uh, one day uh, rapture is going to come or I'm going to die. I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus and I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus forever. I don't, I don't really know what all that's going to look like, but that's going to be all good for eternity. I can't even wrap my head around it, but it's thinking about eternity past. And so John starts off, he goes, let's, let's, I'm going to tell you about Jesus and I'm going to tell you all, it starts all the way back here in the beginning. He was there in the beginning. And so we see in, uh, in, the, in Genesis 1-1 when, this, when uh, Moses wrote, and I, I mentioned it some months back, uh, Moses wrote, it was in 14-something B.C. It was... It was in the wilderness before they went into the promised land is when Moses penned Genesis. And uh, you get to thinking about that is why didn't so many other writers pen? How many, I mean, who would have been a good one to write Genesis? Adam. He'd have been a good writer, right? (laughs) He was like front row seat. But here we see it, Genesis opens up, and it opens up on the beginning of the creation of the heavens and earth, God revealing himself to humanity, right? And so we know that this word Genesis means beginnings or origins. And so Genesis begins to help us see the origins of the heavens and the earth and all that God has created, this unfolding story. And as you read, the story just keeps unfolding. So you start in Genesis 1-1, by the time you get through Genesis, you've learned a lot as you read the story. And I I got to thinking, how many of us, uh, if you're going to buy a book, how many of you, when you go to buy a book, you read the cover, you read the back of the cover, you kind of get this snippet, you get this small piece about what the book is going to tell, the story that it's going to tell you, just get a snippet of it. And so, but what you need to do is you really can't really judge the book by the snippet. You really need to read the whole story. And so in Genesis, as you read, you start the scriptures and you read in Genesis, it just continues to unfold as you go. And, and what we need to understand is that our world around us, here's what they know about the Bible. The cover, the back, maybe a, a piece or two. They just have a, a small snippet of the story. We run into it all the time. People just having a little piece. And usually the piece that they have is there's, might be true, but it's not full. You know, all you know about the scriptures is that God loves you. That's good. That's true. But there is way more to know than just God loves you. If I know from the scriptures that God loves me, does that secure my place in eternity? Does that secure, quote unquote, God's help and guidance in my life in all the areas of my life? And so it's important to know more of the story, because as you read, the story keeps unfolding, right? So let's talk about that for a minute. For you, what do you think when I would ask you the question, why is it important for you to know 
more of the story. Somebody, why is it important for you to know? Why is it important for us? So you can share the story. Okay, share the story. Somebody else? I mean, as a, as a believer, as a Christian, as a child of God, you should have a natural inclination, a natural desire to want to know the Lord more. And so the only way you can know anybody more is through conversation and learning what he's about and what he cares about. You know, I had a good sermon if I was ever a preacher. I'd preach a sermon on Christians should learn how to hate. And people would be like, what? We need to learn how to hate evil. God, right, loves good things, hates evil. If we would learn to hate evil, I think we would sin less too. That's okay. a side note for some reason. Yeah. Look at Aiden. He goes, Tracy's a little slow. I better do this, get this right. Somebody else? Why is it important to know the story? Alexandra, uh, Tony, and then Alexandra. Uh, the concept of the Bible is one thing, and one thing only. This is what the Bible is written, maybe I said it before, because of life transformation. Once we are connected with the Word of God, we are growing more in Him. That means we're making a difference not only on our lives, but the life of the people around us. And that's what we can offer to the world based on the Word of God. So there could be change. Okay. Alexandra, and then up to your mom. Uh, the, more, the more you know uh, God's Word, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. And that can be seen to people that surround us, and then you can really be a witness of that transformation. Okay. Holly. Oh, and then, sorry. We need to know what he says about himself and what's true so that we don't create a God in our own, of our own making. Oh, that's good. I like that. And then Nelda. By studying and reading and studying the word, it uh, increases our faith. Romans 10... 17 says, uh, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Mm, that's good. So, I, yes. Yeah, Daria. Um, so, hi, everybody. I just want to say, when I was a kid, I thought the Bible was just a book full of stories what, what happened in the past. So to me, it was just like a history book. And now that I'm older, I realize that the books, everything that's in the Bible, we can apply in our lives. And it has taught me how to help myself, especially, and how to help um, raise my kids, and how to get that relationship with God, and how to get closer to my husband. So I'm... To me, now, the Bible is just life, life, our life that we can help other people. And that's, that's what the Bible, like we know more about the Bible, it's just going to help us in every aspect of our lives. Mm, that's good. How many can relate? It was just kind of a, a history book. Didn't know about it. It was a book of life. So we read through the scriptures, and as we start and we continue to read through and we get a clearer story, we 
find that it reveals, it begins to unfold and gives us clarity concerning the person and nature of God, the value and dignity of human life, the tragedy and consequences of sin, and the promise and assurance of salvation. So we learn. I'm always challenging people that their their biggest piece of knowing what the Bible is, that God loves me, uh, I'm always challenging them to, well, tell me more. I don't know more. Do you think there's more? Well, I don't know. Well, there's a whole book. So out of this whole book of what, how many pages are in your Bible? I don't know, depending on the size of the print, I suppose. But out of all those pages, that, that's the only thing you know, and you're satisfied with only knowing that much. You're good with that? So, we find that as we read through the pages, there's this progressive revealing of God humanity concerning His plans and in purposes, intentions. And there's this continual revealing of who He is. And so God, throughout, we see throughout the Old Testament, He just continued to reveal Himself, His plans, His purposes, and intentions for humanity. And then we roll into the New Testament, and we get into Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, where a very familiar passage of Scripture says, long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Then verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So I started talking about how the Bible, how in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what we see, and then comparing Genesis 1 with the, the gospel of John and John 1. So we see in Genesis, you know, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and each, each chapter, as you keep reading it, just continues to unfold more. And Genesis is divided into 11 sections. And they are, they, you can know what they are because it starts out, it says, these are the generations of, or this is the accounting of, or these, this is the origin of. <coughs> and you see it like this in Genesis chapter 2 where it says, and this is the accounting of the creation of the earth. And this is the accounting of Adam, of Noah, of Shem, of Abraham, and of Jacob. And you see those sections divided out like that. And what's interesting to me is that then it's like you open up Genesis 1-1 and then right off the bat, it's, it's just like, here's the truth. Here's what you need to know. This is what you need to believe. In the beginning, this is how it all started. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void darkness upon the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then we, we see the accounting of it. Then we see the accounting of uh, creation, God making man in His image, and Eve from the rib of man, and 
the successiveness of what begins to take place. And the story just begins to unfold. But at the starting point, it's like for most people, they just pick, I don't know. I, I remember when I first became a believer and I read Genesis 1-1 and it was like, man, it's just so vague. But what ha- it was like, oh, okay. But what happened is, is I continued to read and as I continued to read, it just began to continue to unfold for me. The, my picture became clearer. In John 1-1, uh, in the beginning was the Word. It's, it seems like that's very similar. It's like John, he's, back, he's over here some 40, 50 years after all this has taken place, and he's just, his intent is for us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, so that by believing we might have life through his name. And he's just, he's standing there, he's looking, and he's saying, here's where I'm going to start. Let me just give you the truest picture I know about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I don't know about you, but how many of you have read those, and it just went whoosh, it's still, you know, so often we read certain scriptures and it's like there's a truth there, but it just kind of flies way over our head. Why? Why like that? So he starts from before creation. You want the truest picture of Jesus? Jesus was there before it ever began. And it's the same way as in Genesis 1.1. It's just like there's this vagueness about it, but there's this, John starts off and, and thinking about, in my mind, thinking 40, 50 years after all this and how a lot of things had come into play. There were a lot of thoughts, a lot of people saying a lot of stuff, and John just goes, look, in the beginning, bam. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to believe. And Doug, we, 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 you, you use, what study Bible do you use? You, and we were talking about this and, and talking about why do we need to more, know more? How can we know more? And Doug was bringing out the fact of his study Bible. So I'll do the disclaimer. Um, the study Bible is only as good as often as you open it. So you have to be in it, right? Um, which is probably the hardest part for me, is being in it as often as I should. But I just love the facts and what we're talking about right now gave a lot of clarity because when we started studying this together and talking about it, um, you know, great commentary and great cross-reference. So if you just look at the, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, you know, it comes down here and says, in the beginning the, the Word, and it says, and this is what John is doing, right? The Greeks use this word um, not only about the spoken word, but also the unspoken word, the word still in the mind, the reason, when they applied it to the universe, they meant the rationale principle that governs all things. So that's for the Gentiles. The Jews, on the other hand, used it for a way of referring to God. Thus, John used a term that was meaningful to both Jews and Gentiles with God. So he could bring it all together. So he's the God of all. Mm. And, uh, you know, John's sitting here going, Okay, Old Testament, we've got the three other Gospels. Now let me wrap up the three other Gospels and say, and show the purpose, past, present, 
right, in his present and then future. Um, you know, then in, this, in the middle of the Bible, I can go to Isaiah 55, 11, and it talks about, I think most people know this, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose which I sent it. And that's the same word, right? Same definition of the word. And then it goes all the way to Revelation 19, 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So, again, you know, the, the concept that we're talking about, in the beginning was the Word, and in the beginning God, um, and it does the same thing about six verses later when it starts talking about the light, right? Mm -hmm. God said, let there be light, and it says here, Jesus is the true light. I mean, and, and all of this is referenced here. So just being able to do that on your own mm. and, and sit down and... Yeah, so it's it attainable. Out. I don't get to read a lot. How many have study Bibles? How many read and read references? I would just encourage you this. Don't try to read a lot. It's not about reading a lot. Sometimes you could just take a simple verse and do the cross-references and see it more fully. So again, this uh, Genesis starts, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and this is how it happened. John says, you want to know about Jesus? This is who he was. This is who he is. And John's gospel then just begins to unfold for us. As you keep reading, it just be keeps unfolding who Jesus is. And he was there before creation ever started. He created. Jesus created. The Word created. And so we know that from Colossians 1.16, how all things were created by Him on heaven and earth. Hebrews 11.3 says, It's by faith that we understand the world was created by the Word of God. And so we just need to get to these places where we want to know more, where we dig a little bit more. And it's, I know for me, uh, as we've been studying through the gospel of John here, and I've been just looking at verses one through five, I'm just going, oh my goodness, it's, you know, you read it and it goes over your head. You pause, you think about it, you have some discussion, you study a little bit more, and all of a sudden it just, it, 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 it illuminates a little bit more. You, you gain a little more understanding. It kind of opens you up a little bit more. And so as we continue to roll through here and we roll through these verses, uh, hopefully each one of us will be encouraged to want to read a little bit more, dig just a little bit deeper. I know that Anne, uh, she's got the Bible study on Tuesdays there in Daniel. Tom, where are you rolling? What are you moving through? He's uh, going through the Gospel of Luke in the back in the mornings, starting at 9 o'clock, right? And it's just going through the entire letter of Luke. Who knows how long it'll take him. It took you a couple years to get through John, right? We're not going to be a couple years on John, just, but Tom did it. But if Tom did it, I could probably do it, right? <laughs> we could do it here. Um, so, again... This gospel, John is really trying to give us the truest description of who Jesus is, and he just takes us all the way back to beginning. And, you know, I got to thinking to myself, I thought, well, why doesn't, why didn't John just say, in the beginning was Jesus? 
And I got to thinking, well, he, he did. He did, but, I mean, we don't learn. And, I mean, if you're not knowing anything about the Scriptures and you turn into the Gospel of John, it's not going to be until you get to about verse 12 through 17 area where you realize that John is talking about Jesus. So he does start, in the beginning was Jesus, but he does it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I got to thinking about this. Why did... Why does the Holy Spirit instruct John to start like that? In the beginning was the Word. Well, let me just tell you a couple things that I've learned and am learning. This word, logos, which is the word that John uses here and Doug just talked about, it it. It comes from, a, uh, its root word is lego, which means to speak or to say. But there's way more. There's way more in the idea of this. Because the basic thought in this word has this idea to, to gather, to assemble, or to count, or to consider. It it has this idea to enumerate. And then this idea of enumerating has this idea to mention something, uh, a number of things, one by one. So, let's, let's, well, let me just get... So, this word logos moves from enumerating to narrating, to speak. So, let me just think like it like this. If I were to ask you, uh, you guys just went to Arizona, right? Uh, and you went for, if I were to begin to ask you about that, the first thing that you would do is you would collect your thoughts. You would gather in your mind what you want to say to me, what you want me to know. Uh, you're going to give me an accounting of this so that I can know and understand you better what took place, right? This is the word logos. Logos isn't just the idea of saying, but it has the idea of this. Before, before any of us speak to other people, you're trying to say things to them so that they can know and understand who you are, maybe what's in your heart. I have people say to, all the time, have conversations. They say, talk to me about you. And so you collect your thoughts, and uh, you collect your thoughts, and you're speaking, and even as you're speaking, you're assembling your thoughts so that you can communicate well, and so that you could know me, know what's in my heart, know about my passions, what I'm all about. Now, put that in the context of the Holy Spirit saying, you want to know about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You want, do you really want to know about Jesus? Let me, let me assemble this. I want, to, I want to be clear to articulate what I want you to know and understand about who Jesus is. And so it kind of, for me, there's this, it, it's richer. It helps me understand better that when John says, you really want a true picture of who Jesus is? It wasn't born in a baby, born in a manger, because he existed before that. 
it wasn't just about his death, burial, and resurrection because before creation, you need to know that Jesus was there. And you need to know that Jesus is the exact representation of who the Father is. So in the beginning, there was this over here that God had determined to communicate to man to reveal who he was, his plans and purposes, and it all came out. And it was all done through the Word, through His Son. So if you want to know about who God is, then you need to know who Jesus is. If you, want to, if you want to hear what God has to say, you need to hear what Jesus is saying. If He is this exact representation of the Father. And so this, this word, uh, to me, just carries a lot of weight. Here is what God wants us to know. Jesus is the tangible expression of God, and God fully revealed Himself through His Son. Any thoughts about any of that? As you go through the Bible and the Gospels, you see where Jesus is always talking about His Father's will, not His own will. And He's always talking about the words that He's saying. And then, you know, where the Father even says, this is my Son, listen to what He says. And it's just like us, you know, if, if we walk in the Spirit and God wants us to say something... It's the Lord's words that's being said. And that's what makes a difference. Because our words don't really mean a lot. Mm. But it's His words. And so it's really neat to see that if we would study who Jesus is, and that's how we learn more. It's just like one of the disciples said something about, show us a father. Remember that? And he's like, well, you know, you've seen me. So. Mm. Good stuff. Anybody else? Really simple. Because I don't know if probably uh, thinking ahead of uh, the pastor's uh, teaching today, but when I think about the whole gospel thing, and we think about the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of what and why. Because it's, it's all about that. There's people that will read. You, you have Christian apo, uh, apologists that will debate in love, someone that is an agnostic, someone that is an atheist. And those guys have read the Bible, have studied it. They are not believers because they're not believers. They're not able to understand it. That's true. But they know what it says. But when we're talking about revelations, are we speaking about the, the characteristics of a God that wants us to follow his moral principles so, so that we can be different makers, makers? Isn't that what the Bible calls us to be? Isn't that what Matthew 28, 18 is all about? Because it, it all ties in together. In this is the beef that I have with this. We can read the Bible all we want, day and night. But if there's not something in us, in that spirit, like she said, the Holy Spirit is not instigating us to go and do something about it, what good is it? Uh, up here, Aaron, um, it was funny, a couple weeks ago we were chatting through this and we are talking about the introduction, and I'm going, you know, John is so different. He doesn't give a genealogy about Jesus. What did you tell us? Well, I was just, I was thinking about the genealogies, the different genealogies in the other Gospels. One is, it goes along the lines of uh, Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, and then the other gene genealogy goes along the lines of Mary, and really the purpose of the genealogy is to explain to somebody where somebody came from. And so I just looked really at 
the first couple of verses of John, and it seemed to me like it is a genealogy. It's just really, really short. He just, he, in the beginning, he was. <clears throat> and I think the importance of that is, you know, Jesus is the perfect example of how we are to live our lives. But Jesus, that, the things that we see in, in Scripture, those, those were Jesus as a man. And this, this verse here reminds us that he's fully God. Mm. He's not just a man. He is fully God. And I think a lot of times as believers, we, we can unknowingly just kind of think about Jesus as a man and forget that he's not just a man, he's God. So I think this is really cool because it is kind of a genealogy. It's just really short. Yeah, I like that. What uh, one takes him back to Adam, another takes him back to Abraham, and it's like, let's really, if you want to get the genealogy of Jesus correct, <laughs> let's go way back. In the beginning was the Word. Um, let me just share just a couple thoughts about uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, where it says, in the, in the past, at different times, in different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. And, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Both of those, speaking through the prophets and speaking through the son, is in, an, is in the aorist, past tense. And the idea of it is that he spoke. Bam, it's done, finished, God spoke. No more to be said. Here's what you need to know. And I love that about, as we even started in Genesis 1, so many things are vague, but it's like, no, God spoke, this is what he said, this is what you need to know, this is what you need to believe. One more thing about this is that it says, when it says that um, the, the verb in the beginning was the word, it's in, a, it's in what's called the imperfect tense, which depicts a continual existence. Jesus was from eternity past, Jesus was. But the imperfect tense, if I can get this said correctly, conveys the idea that there was a past activity that happened, but there was more than a single action about it in some way. In other words, there is this ongoing aspect of what has been said. So the imperfect tense is used to describe an action, but an action seen as not just a one-time event, but something that there's more to it. There's this process in it which is unfolding from the past. So John says, in the beginning was the Word. So we learn from John chapter 1.14 that Jesus was always God. But a particular point in time, there is this revelation of who Jesus is, this particular point in time where Jesus became man. And, uh, you know, uh, the little nuance of it, but I just get to thinking, when John opens up this way, he's going, hey, you need to know that in the beginning this is what it was like, but that wasn't like just... That isn't just for you to know way back then because that is a story that unfolds. And I've said it a lot here that there is this crimson thread that runs through Scripture. 
And it is the idea of God's redemption of humanity, but from the very beginning, it is God's redemption of humanity through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so when you think about it, John's just saying, you want to know what's the most important part of the whole story of God? It's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and hopefully what continues to take place in our life is that just you, as we seek you, like someone had mentioned, it wasn't just, it's just not I have read, but I keep reading and I keep discovering. And as I keep reading, I keep discovering, I keep finding life. I keep figuring out what you're wanting from me and how I can live my life and how I can trust you and how you can help me. That's what we want as we continue to unfold because that's what John wanted. John wanted those he wrote to, and that includes us, that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life in his name.